You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hi, and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. I am Andrew Berkshire from the Montreal Gazette, a hockey analyst, and also from uh, the host of Game Over Montreal on the SDPN. I'm here with Mary Clark from For the Win. You can follow me at Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark at Mary C. Clark on Twitter. And please, if you're listening, subscribe to the podcast. And, you know, you can throw us a rating on Apple Music or I don't know if Spotify does ratings, maybe. But you can follow us on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe because we love our listeners and we are very excited to talk to you today because the Jack Eichel trade happened. We thought he was going to Calgary last night didn't happen he's going to vegas which is what we all predicted in the summer i believe that was our official prediction was it not mary oh yeah i mean i think we had been talking about it for some time uh at least i definitely had been on the vegas train and then we all thought you know on wednesday night we all thought you know calgary was about to you know swoop in with an 11th hour deal uh and steal him away from from vegas but nope we all woke up this morning uh and it was vegas bringing him bringing him home kind of like we all we all thought but i have a bone to pick with buffalo for making the trade at like 7 30 in the morning yeah what are you doing guys guys? what are you doing you wait all this time and then you make us wake up early exactly and i feel for vegas fans too who the trade happened in the middle of the night and it wasn't like a and it wasn't like a trade at like you know midnight 1 a.m some people are still awake it was like 4 a.m i think when that trade went down in in vegas like come on guys just wait a few more hours. I know the insiders, you know, kind of had it beforehand, but like just just a little bit later, just for just for the people who, you know, wake up after 9 a.m. on the East Coast, please, because <laughs> my job is a late one. So I sleep in a little bit later than most people. Yeah. And that's kind of been the case for me as well recently with the late games that I've had to do post game shows for. So my sleep schedule is completely messed, but I I don't get to sleep in because the kids are up. So it's yeah. just I get to be tired. But you know what? It finally got done, so kudos to that. It is Jack Eichel and a 2023 third-round pick to Las Vegas for Peyton Krebs, Alex Tuck, a 2022 first-round pick, and a third-round pick in 2023, as per Darren Drager and several other sources, including uh, Elliot Friedman now. The first I'm pretty round... sure it's official of, yes. like, because uh, both teams tweeted it. So yes, that's sure true. Uh, for the first round pick is also top 10 protected. So if the Golden Knights bottom out this year, uh, they don't get that pick. It shifts to 2023. That, to me, is completely insane on the part of the Buffalo Sabres. And I don't know how it happened. I understand they didn't re- retain any salary, but what? What? <laughs> He's I like, mean... What? I mean, it is, uh, to be fair, it is, you, you wouldn't expect Vegas to be in the position to have a top 10 pick. True. Uh, but you never, you never know. You never know. But that is, that is one of the wildest things about this deal. You're right. Uh, but we, I think like we should maybe, you know, back up a bit just because the story shifted so much that last night I wrote the doc and it was a completely different story than the one it was today. Yes. Uh, so like the big story is that it was originally supposed to be Calgary was, you know, the team offering big for Eichel uh, with Matthew Kachuk is kind of like the big piece um, of the, of the puzzle here. But then that kind of got disputed later in the evening um, as people were like, no, Kachuk's not part of it. But then, you know, names like, you know, Sean Monahan, I believe are thrown around. Um, and then we all woke up this morning and it was a completely different trade. So that's like, I guess the lead into all of this, but the package that the flames supposedly, I know you're going to talk about this, Andrew, because you have some sources, uh, that you're going to, uh, talk about on this show, but that was the, the supposed deal that had Kachuk in it was a really spicy one, you know, not to make, you know, a bunch of, you know, fire and flames puns or whatever, but like, that was a really spicy trade. I actually thought that had that trade gone down, the Sabres would have come out like bandits in that trade because I had, we had talked for the longest time that the Sabres had kind of, you know, torpedoed Eichel's value with everything that had been happening. Um, so to get a player like that, if possible for like a future captain, uh, would have been an incredible get. Um, not to say that this deal uh, is bad, but it is not as shiny and 
doesn't make an immediate impact on the on the team like you know grabbing kachuk would but uh, yeah. i want you to talk though about your sources uh because you know that is always a fun topic to discuss but it kind of throws a lot of this up in the air uh so what was real and what wasn't yeah i mean if they had landed the the proposed flames deal adding kachuk and manjapane to the start that the sabers had like you could actually see them making the playoffs this year with how that whole division has started off so slow outside of Florida. Like there's a serious possibility that that could have turned around the pe- the the Sabres enough this season to squeak into a playoff spot and end that drought, which would be crazy, super fun and be a huge sell for that fan base, right? As much as they're still in a rebuild mode, it would be really interesting. So this trade, I don't think comes anywhere close to that. I really like Alex Tuck. I don't know a lot about Peyton Krebs, but I see a lot of people who do know saying that he's a good player, but you know, like a very small chance of him becoming a star player. Getting a first round pick is nice. Uh, The fact that it's protected is nuts to me, but (laughs) the Vegas deal sounds more like what we've heard over the last couple of months that Eichel's value has been kind of tanked by the Sabres. And this is like the best that they're going to get. That's what it looks like to me. It's it's okay, but it's not a the kind of deal that you would have seen if Jack Eichel was made available two years ago, mm-hmm. right? The Flames deal was insane, and like you said, I had talked to a couple of people, and both of them indicated that they believed that the Flames deal was fabricated, uh, not just in terms of the Flames weren't... Um, interested at all that's not true it's that the matt kachuk part of it was never on the table and matt kachuk was never going to be traded that's not something that the calgary flames are interested in doing at this time and i also heard that the kachuk camp was not particularly happy (laughs) that his name was out there and so the the flames are not very happy about that either um i have to give credit to the buffalo sabers or someone working for the buffalo sabers to put that out there in order to get a better offer. Uh, apparently that is how they got Peyton Krebs uh, pushed into the line or into the trade from Vegas, which seems weird that Vegas would bite on it so hard because I don't think that Peyton Krebs actually gets that deal done. If the flames offer is actually on the table. So it, it's one of those things where like how much of this is, yes, it was not a real offer, but it didn't really, like it did it actually impact the trade that much the nhl is so nebulous in this arena like we we actually learn so little from insiders we kind of learn everything after the fact like as much as insiders provide provide invaluable coverage to networks and like maybe talk about what's going to happen in broad strokes we never really get the detailed machinations of a trade coming together like until maybe years later or somebody writes a book, which kind of sucks, right? Like, (laughs) I feel like this whole Eichel trade situation could make for a great book, but also like could make for a great TV special right now or a great column right now that we could all read. But unfortunately hockey is so secretive that we don't actually see behind the scenes until a long time after like nobody is in the league anymore that could be impacted or unless there's somebody following a team on camera, like the whole all or nothing series with the Maple Leafs. And we saw how Kyle Dubas negotiated the Nick Foligno trade, you know, which is obviously not on this level, but it was still mildly interesting. I I'm kind of blown away that uh, people bought so heavily into the flames offer that it was like definitely on the table. But as soon as Vegas accepted this offer, it was like, well, yeah, that that's not that wasn't real. <laughs> it's because it was fun, Andrew. Yeah, that's why we did so hard because it was fun. Um, just because it kind of came out of left field, I was just hoping for chaos. I mean, I think I had been on the you know Jack Eichel chaos train for some time. Uh, obviously, you know we want him to get healthy. Um, that's obviously the first and foremost priority. But from a hockey perspective, of you know. I just wanted complete chaos, and that's why Vegas was on my list. But the Flames coming out of nowhere and being like, "Haha, we're gonna offer you offer Kachuk, Mangiapane, Monahan, the you know the works." Basically, I was like, "This is great. This is we finally get you know some intrigue." And, I, and after so many months of nothing, I think that's why a lot of people bit hard on it. But uh, obviously, it was a complete misdirection. And even the Sabers GM uh, Kevin Adams said that the report on Kachuk being in the Eichel deal was not accurate. So. 
obviously some misdirection there. So props to, like I said, props to the Sabres for, um, you know, actually pulling that out because they'd mishandled this situation so, like, extremely. Uh, we talked about it before on this podcast that, you know, Eichel's um, trade value was tanked. The whole just mismanagement of Eichel's, you know, health to begin with was already terrible just you know for them to kind of pull out that that move and get them uh, like get themselves another good player not going to be like a star like Eichel is but definitely going to be a good player for them um is good so at least congrats to the Sabres for doing that and moving on right yes exactly that's it finally everybody gets to move on here you won't have to hear about Eichel uh, anymore NHL fans I know for some people it was a you know a very long drawn out story and it was um I'm happy Eichel is going to be getting you know the treatment he needs because it looks like he's going to go with the replacement surgery um so that's great Uh, I'm super happy for him he tweeted out a picture of him in a photoshopped Vegas jersey is like Vegas baby Vegas uh so he seems excited like this is this is all move we're we're moving on and that's a and that's a good thing um I am intrigued to see what this does for um the Golden Knights in the future because uh we'll talk about it in our interview with Mike Fail of a scorch stack coming up in a, in a little bit but you know what does this do for Vegas who you know have so many players now under their under the cap um and they you know they've really bought in hard on this win now thing ever since getting to the Stanley Cup final in their first year um this is just another one of those moves that brings them possibly closer to a Stanley Cup final but also torpedoes their you know, building from within. They're they're going in the complete opposite direction Seattle is because Seattle is, you know, more I get I would assume building from within. They built a team to, you know, cultivate assets and start to, you know, build via the draft and stuff. But Vegas isn't doing that. Uh no. and it's a really interesting way to build a team. Maybe a successful one, depending on how things work out. But the future of that team, they can't keep doing this forever. The, no, the I mean, assets next year is going to be run tough. Out. <laughs> yeah, the assets are going to run out. They're not going to have, you know, the first round picks. Like, if they keep spending first round picks, there are going to be no more first round picks of value for them to trade. Uh, so, like I said, it's a very interesting way to build a team. And I'm not a, like, I'm not like, you know, a fan of them. So I get to watch this with, you know unbiased eyes so it's really it's just a really fascinating thing to be watching in hockey i can only imagine what it's like for golden knights fans you see a whole bunch of player toner turnover and you don't really get those hometown guys that they build up but it has to be exciting they're definitely one of the more exciting teams there they kind of remind me of the flyers when paul holmgren was uh the gm because they were in on every in in on every trade very aggressive making wild moves like this would be a paul holmgren move from you know, the early uh, 2010s. So yeah, it kind of reminds me of when they traded like Richards and Carter. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I, I see shades of that Paul Holmgren team in this Vegas team. And it didn't work out for the Flyers because, uh, you know, they got to the Stanley Cup final once and then kind of blew it all up with, you know, the Richards and Carter trades. But it is a very interesting way to build a team. And you know, it's great to have some chaos in the NHL, in my opinion. Like, I have yeah. no idea what Vegas is going to be like. They've definitely underperformed this season. But, you know, the chaos factor is there, and I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fascinating and amazing that Vegas and Seattle are taking such different approaches. And I think that's going to be an extremely interesting case study over the next five years or so. Because even even not in terms of like roster building, like they're taking the opposite directions there too. But in terms of the management of the salary cap where Seattle's like, Oh, we're going to be very careful, very conservative. We have all this extra cap space. We've got lots of flexibility. And Vegas is just like, what is the salary cap? We don't know what that is. (laughs) They've got $78.7 million out of an $81.5 million flat cap committed next season already to 11 players. Yeah. Like it's a 22 to 23 person roster. There's still COVID, which creates multiple issues with like managing the salary cap on a daily daily basis. Like, this is crazy. They they've got s- so much to work with ne- or so much to work around next season. I'm not even sure it's possible. Like something's got to break. 
It's funny how we criticized Seattle for not using their cap space in any, you know, real meaningful way. It seemed, you know, after the expansion draft and, you know, even heading into the season, like we were like, they could have done this better. Meanwhile, Vegas is spending their cap willy nilly um, and getting all these players. But hindsight may see these teams differently if, you know, Vegas falls on their face and doesn't get a Stanley Cup for whatever reason or another, then they, you know, tank as it looks like they're inevitably going to be you know doing in in the future um meanwhile seattle you know takes their time but you know wins a stanley cup within their first 10 years it, it just is a very interesting road that these two teams are going on um and how we criticized one and praised the other but it very well could be in flipped. hindsight flipped yeah so obviously that that's more like you know future projections and stuff like that i just find it a very fascinating road for these two expansion teams but it eichel does bring in the hype um for vegas um obviously you won't see him on the ice for a little while but you know it's still a really i mean i mean we had penciled him into the vegas lineup in the off season basically when you know vegas went out in the playoffs so like we'd been like talking about this for some time so it's neat to see it finally happening uh i really hope he succeeds uh, because he really does deserve, you know, a better turn of fortune, in my opinion. Dude's been, you know, struck with injuries, stuck on a team that, you know, isn't successful, didn't, felt like it didn't really, you know, want to work with him. Vegas at least seems like they'll, you know, make him a part of the team. And I mean, whenever when everyone's healthy, he's probably going to be playing between Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone. Can't imagine much of a better situation than yeah. that. And Vegas is a nice place to live too. Not to say anything against Buffalo, but it's very, it's two very different styles of living too. So like, yeah, yeah I just, I'm excited for Eichel. Hope he gets the, you know, like the recovery and his surgery goes well and um, everything related to that. I'm excited to see him in his first game in Vegas, whenever that is. It's going to be really energizing. It's going to absolutely bring a different aspect to the, Sabres team that they've kind of or not the Sabres the Golden Knights team that they've kind of been missing a little bit this year yeah I mean we talked about it last year with Jesse Granger that they need centers right and they need a top line center Chandler Stevenson is fine but he's not a guy that pushes things the right way like dynamically right he's a good defensive center doesn't bring a huge amount of offense but Jack Eichel's going to be totally different from that and makes Chandler Stevenson even more important because now he has more uh, space to be his own player as a second line center and, you know, the trickle down effect of that. But uh, before we move on to the next segment, I wanted to mention there was uh, a quote from Buffalo Sabres GM Kevin Adams this morning that uh, everyone is kind of dunking on. I guess it's not this morning, just about an hour ago. Uh, Greg Wyshynski posted it. And he was saying that it didn't work out with Jack Eichel because there was a frustration for Eichel that had built up over time. And he was clear with Eichel that we need to build this organization with people that are dying to be Buffalo Sabres. And this is a sentiment you see often in hockey. Uh, it's very corporate, right? It's like, we don't need to create a culture where people want to be here. We need people who want to be here as like, that's their, their baseline. It's not our responsibility. It's their responsibility. And I feel like that kind of quote, as much as it's very part and parcel to almost every single NHL team is very telling of where it went wrong in Buffalo. And it, it doesn't come down necessarily to Jack Eichel. It comes down to, this is an organizational and not just in Buffalo, like I said, I'm not just picking on them. It's almost every NHL team feels this way. And that just isn't how you operate in the modern world. You need to create a situation where people want to come to you. That's how you attract UFAs, for starters. You know, like that's how you attract players who are in college or in Europe and who make the jump to the NHL. It's up to you to create that, not up to the player to be a player who just is fascinated with the Buffalo Sabres. Like, yeah. your pool is so much smaller if that's what you want. I hope that this, I mean, that quote doesn't give me any hope, but I hope that this is a good, you know, moving on point for the Sabres, you know, that maybe they reassess the way they do things. I don't think they will with that quote the no, way it is. But, won't. you know, that's just my hope, you know, that we, you know, get to a point where we're not, you know, all about the, all about, you know, creating a culture like that. It's one of the reasons why hockey culture is the way it is. But, um, 
like I said, I, that quote doesn't give me hope. But you know, it 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 is good that the the sabers are moving on from this. It, we everybody gets a clean slate here. It's a shame that the Sabres mismanaged Eichel so much because um, he really does have a bright future as a player. It's just a shame that, you know, they really weren't dedicated to really making, you know, anything successful out of it and then mismanaging his house to the point where it came to this. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll we'll end the Eichel talk. Well, not really, because we're going to bring in Mike Fail and we're going to talk some more Eichel. This is the special edition Eichel episode of the Crosscheck NHL show. So we're going to talk to Mike Fail in a moment, and uh, after that, we'll have our pop culture segment. We'll be back right after this. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface. Sorry, I'm going to start that over again. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all of the basketball and football action this season. Head over to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON, all one word, LOCKED ON, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Welcome back to the Crosscheck NHL show. Mary and I are here with a good friend of mine, Mike Fail from the Scorch Stack. How's it going, Mike? Uh, you know, I'm hanging in there. It's it's bright and early. I woke up disappointed. I'm still disappointed, uh, but I'm happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, so obviously uh, the idea originally was we were going to get Mike on to talk about Jack Eichel to the Flames. That did not happen. Um, the rumored return out there for Jack Eichel to the Flames was obscene, which is why like, I think everyone assumed Vegas is not going to beat that offer. But it didn't happen, and now the assumption is that that rumored return was not actually available. And I've actually heard from a source that I trust this morning that Matt Kachuk was never available in that trade and that the Sabres leaked that he was in order to get Krebs from Vegas. Does that check out for you, Mike? I think so. I, I, there, there's reason to believe, obviously, that Matthew Kachuk isn't long for the Calgary Flames, and there's always been that kind of story but it's always been in the same vein that Johnny Goodrow is going to leave at the end of his contract. And nobody really knows until it's going to happen. Um, but when the news came out yesterday, I looked at it. I kind of rolled my eyes really hard to the point where I had a migraine. And then I, <laughs> I took a deep breath and I thought about it for a second. And I was like, well, if, if they really want Jack Eichel and they really don't think that Matthew Kachuk is going to stick around and he's not going to be the future captain of the Calgary flames. And, uh, he's going to bounce when he plays at the remaining was like year or two of RFA that he has. Cause he's going to get qualified at $9 million. He'll go home to St. Louis and the flames will have nothing to show for it. But then I, I sat on it for a while and I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like it makes sense that like you said, the Sabres would leak something and make something up to propagate interest in, in getting a bigger package for the cornerstone of their franchise that they've kind of done poorly by and walk away with something more and um, some folks on Twitter that maybe have reputations that perceive them as not necessarily trustworthy ran with this <laughs> and uh, everybody ate it up. And this morning everybody was kind of, you know, Hey, this didn't make sense. And of course this morning, uh, Kevin Adams, the GM of the Buffalo Sabres was like, yeah, that was not accurate. So I, at, on one hand, I'm just like, this is just foolish. But on the other hand, like it's quintessentially NHL for them to try like a team or somebody close to the Sabres to try this and see if they can get a little bit more out of the, out of the deal. Yeah. And for all the Sabres had kind of bungled this whole situation with Eichel. Um, and we've talked about it on the podcast before, but you know, they completely, you know, mishandled this, you know, from an asset perspective, but also, you know, the player perspective. I mean, Eichel has been kind of sitting, you know, with, uh, you know, with an injury that he needs to, you know, get fixed. But I think that they, that misdirection and, you know, leaking of, um, you know, Kachuk out there to the media was actually a really good ploy to get more. Uh, I'm kind of surprised because, like I said, I didn't think the Sabres management was kind of up to this considering, 
you know, how disastrous this whole Eichel thing has been from their perspective. But I guess I kind of give them a little bit of props for playing everyone like this. Yeah, I think when I don't want to point fingers and be like, it was the dastardly Sam Ventura, who uh, who is such an intelligent, smart guy, or it was that dastardly intelligent and bright Dominic Gallimini who they just hired. But like, if I was the Sabres, I'd do the same thing. I would outright lie like for months to do this. Um, but I think if everybody kind of looks back and reflects on the, the timeline of what was offered or the supposed offerings or the supposed asks from the summer until, you know, 5.30 Alberta time this morning when the deal was basically broke, um, the package started off with like, we want roster players and prospects and picks. And then it was, okay, well, we just want prospects and futures in, in because the timeline isn't going to work out for the Sabres to benefit from roster players. And then suddenly it was back to a roster player or a roster eligible player that might be immediate impact in prospects and picks. Like the, the timeline has always been uh, like including a prospect in a pick package. And that's what happened today. And at, I just never, it never made sense to me for roster perspective. The only thing that would give me, or that gave me some sense of belief that maybe targeting a roster player for the Sabres would make sense as if they would take salary back. And they were adamant that they weren't going to do that. I'm assuming that's because Terry Bakula is broke from building his super yacht. Um, <laughs> like it, 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 the only way that they would do that. And so like, if you're going to be dumping salary in return to get Jack Eichel, you're paying more. Like that's just, a, that's a given in the NHL currently. And if the Flames hypothetically, and I say this hypothetically because I don't want this to be taken out of context. Like if they would have included Matthew Kachuk in a steal, Matthew Kachuk would have been flipped probably in God knows how quickly to St. Louis Blues for another package. Like that, that's just a no brainer. And the Sabres would have made out with more assets for that because they know that that's where he wants to go, presumably uh, at some point in his career, but that didn't happen. And again, if the Flames needed to dump salary to make Jack Eichel happen, which is a significant kind of factor in terms of getting him on the roster. They would have had to dump like Sean Monaghan, who has a modified no trade clause. They would have had to dump probably like Nikita Zadorov or somebody else. Like it, it would just, it's too complicated, but I think that there's a larger theme here with like the Calgary Flames failing to land Jack Eichel that is kind of like nauseating. It's another player that they could have benefited from and they kind of I mean, I, I find it exacerbating it and flabbergasted like I'm flabbergasted right now that they couldn't beat that package that Vegas put together. It's kind of asinine. Yeah, it is not the greatest package. I feel like when you looked at the package that was rumored for Calgary, what made it stick out to me as probably not real was not necessarily Matt Kachuk because like you understand where that's coming from, but the fact that it was Kachuk and Manjapani, which I was like, what? Because <laughs> like, listen, Jack Eichel is fantastic, but is he actually better right now than Kachuk and Manjapane? Uh, I don't know. Probably not. I think. I mean, you're also close. you're also getting you also have to wait to get Jack Eichel too. There's that yes. whole thing you have you have to you're paying such a high price to get Jack Eichel, but you don't get him immediately. You're getting him however many months down the line. I think it was like four or something like that, maybe for his surgery. So you you wouldn't even get Eichel immediately. So it's one of those things where the Flames have been pretty good this season and you're trading away, you know, assets like that. And you have to wait for the asset you bought basically to, you know, heal from his injury. Yeah, the I think like the concern that I had with the Jack Eichel health situation, it wasn't that the surgery wouldn't go well and his recovery would go well. I think that's a no-brainer. I think anything you're anything that's serious, like everybody's gonna take it very, very. It's the priority in in terms of acquiring him and taking care of him. I think the concern I have is Calgary Flames in a hypothetical situation where they got him, and there's a desire to rush him back because either their the start that they're on currently uh, isn't prolonged enough to push them through the season in that style of play, and then they start struggling and they're out of the playoff picture when he comes back, and then it's a waste. Um, but I think the larger concern is the Flames have a history of not taking injuries seriously, specifically Sean Monaghan. You know, it came out earlier this season, six, six games into last season, he buggered up his hip and they played him for like the rest of the season effectively. They didn't treat him. They didn't take him out of the lineup 
he didn't take painkillers. You know, there was a Chris Hanna injury that wasn't really handled properly. There was a Noah Hannafin injury that I, I don't think could have was handled as well as it could have been. There's lots of concern about that. And so there was trepidation in the fan base from what I've seen and from folks that I'm close with, not close with the team, but as fans and, you know, analysts and stuff like that, they were like, is, if they land Eichel, are they going to be able to take care of him correctly? And that, that made me kind of have a little bit of trepidation because the last thing you want is to move a, a package of assets of value, get this guy and then rush him back from a serious surgery. And then all of a sudden you've got this depreciated asset who can't play at the level that he could or could ever do again. And then you're sitting with like a bunch of liability and concern. And the other thing is like Jack Eichel's a human being. I want him to be able to have a good life after hockey, presumably if he ends up being a decent human being, who knows? I don't know, but <laughs> maybe, maybe he's an evil person. I don't know, but he seems like a decent human being right now, but I don't want to hear about him having to retire early. Cause you know, a few years down the road, it turns out the surgery was rushed. His recovery was rushed. He's married. He's got kids. He can't pick up the kid anymore. His life is miserable. And he's just like, damn it. Everything could have went wrong, but that's a, that's a whole other tangent, but I don't know. I think, I think this is going to be an interesting lesson for the league in, in terms of seeing how his health plays out and whether or not he's like the type of impact player that he was prior to this awful, awful injury that it kind of got drug out. Yeah. It's, it's really unfortunate that it did get dragged out so far. And I mean, we've basically sentenced Eichel now to miss an extra, at least half season that he didn't have to miss. Right. If he would have got this surgery a little bit earlier and, that's that's really unfortunate. Um, I want to ask you after the break here, Mike, about what this means for Calgary next, because I don't think you go from being so involved in such a big trade opportunity to being satisfied with what you have. So we'll, we'll ask that as well. But before we go to break, I wanted to just put something at you as well, which was my first thought when I saw this was like Calgary should be a little bit upset that uh, this fake offer floated out there because, you know, there's some unrest and like maybe the Kachuk camp is pissed off. But at the same time, if you don't get the player, it's kind of nice that a player in your conference or not a player, a team in your conference had to pay more at least to get him. Right. So like, yes, he's now in your conference and you have to deal with him, but at least the team was weakened. And also I'm looking at cat friendly here. Vegas has, $78.7 million committed next season in an $81.5 million flat salary cap for 11 players. Ooh, it's brutal. It's it's terrible. How how are they going to get like every time something like this happens with Vegas, it makes me think of that scene with Jesse Pinkman and breaking bad where you can't keep getting away away with with this. this. Yep, exactly. Oh, and just the amount of uh, assets that they've, you know, thrown towards these types of players, um, too. Like, they, I don't know how many draft picks they have, but it's probably, you know, not very many. They they always seem to, you know, go win now. Uh, and it's really going. And so unless they do win now, they, they're going to take a sharp turn, I would assume, to, you know, not being as successful because... You know, they're they're kind of running out of first round picks. It's like um, it's like the I know this is like a weird metaphor, but it's like, you know, they're putting the train tracks down as they're, you know, riding on the train. It's like, you know, those like old cartoons where they're like putting the train tracks down right, you know, as they're about to get to them. So eventually they will run out of train tracks and it will, you know, crash and burn. But I am excited to see what it looks like, you know, for now, at least. They're real top heavy. I don't when they're healthy, they're going to be scary. And that bothers me. But Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, Jack Eichel, they're all in the LTR right now. And the players that are playing right now don't look very good um, in terms of their outputs throughout the season so far. I know it's early on. Everybody will be like, oh, small sample size, and then they'll turn it on and look really great. But like I was looking at Alex Petrangelo's impacts in terms of like war value on evolvinghockey.com. It's not pretty. He looks like hot garbage and that contract, I mean, the contract wasn't great when he signed it. Um, They got a bunch of money wrapped up in players that doesn't make sense. Like Alex Martinez. Um, I'm not really sold on like the impacts and value added by like Jonathan Marsha show right now. (laughs) And I really figured that they would try to dump him to try and make the money work. But yeah, they're a win now franchise. The ownership is like win now. I think it's going to bite them in the butt in a couple of years. And I think all of us are going to relish it because of just how much mortgage, uh, how much of the future they've mortgaged for to be an immediately impactful team that will likely be, I guess like the downfall will effectively be injuries this season, unless they can 
kind of float by and make the Pacific division a little bit more uh, competitive. But right now uh, I'm, I kind of look at them and I look at their output and I'm just like, yeah, they're, they're toast right now. Yeah. It, it doesn't look great at the moment. And that Petrangelo deal, I'm glad you brought that up because you look at his cohorts and what happened to Eric Carlson, PK Subban, Drew Doughty. And last year, you know, like Petrangelo looked like the guy who was standing above it all, killing it in his thirties. He's 31 now. That contract's not going to get better. I don't think he's as bad as his numbers are this season, but like the fall off is going to happen. And anytime you put out a contract like that for a player in that age cohort, even if they're fantastic, and it seems like especially for defensemen, the fall off comes quickly and possibly unexpectedly. But we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back for a little bit more with Mike Fail talking about what the Calgary Flames are going to look like at the end of the season. All right, we're back with Mike Fail from Scorch Stack, the greatest Calgary Flames content in the world. That's true. That's 100% true. It is 100% uh, true. It cannot even be argued. Before, actually, for people who don't follow the Calgary Flames closely, because they're not everyone is smart enough to do so, can you explain Scorch for everyone? Uh, Scorch was brought into this world and left this world far too quickly. He... <laughs> was the mascot of the Calgary Flames farm team for a short period of time in Adirondack. Uh, he had a mythology and backstory created about him where uh, he kills firefighters. And this is not a lie. The reveal video of him back was like, what, six years ago, I think when they were in, they had Adirondack was their affiliate, uh, was him surrounded by firefighters. And then there was corpses of firefighters everywhere and he was dancing. He is born of a hatred uh, for firefighters and first responders. Um, he is the greatest mascot of all time. And uh, I'm not a religious man by any sense, but uh, Scorch is the only entity on the planet that has ever existed that I would consider worshiping if, uh, if he came <laughs> back, if, if there was some way to like summon him from the, from the uh, fourth or fifth layer of hell, wherever he dwells, uh, I would do it right now. Um, so if anybody has a, a, a lead on a black altar and some sort of, you know, not human sacrifices, cause we don't do that here in Alberta, <laughs> but um, maybe firemen, but maybe firemen, uh, I'm in, I will uh, summon scorch back from the, the maws of hell and uh, bring about a new era of mascot supremacy. And I think the Genesis of scorch actually came from like, there was a fire that happened in Adirondack mm-hmm. like years ago that killed a bunch of firefighters and the Adirondack flames were like, why don't we make that the mascot? And didn't it, it lasted like less than a day. <laughs> they put out the video and people were like, why are we celebrating killing firefighters? Yeah. It was absolute psycho shit. If I can say that, can I say that? Yes. Yes. You can. Say okay. That. It's absolute psycho shit, but it's the kind of um, like absolute psycho shit that you want to see like hockey. We, I'm sure you guys talk about this all the time in, in your day-to-day routine and just in general online, like I do, but the sport, the culture around it, the media coverage, everything about it, excluding like the stuff that's going on right now, like in Chicago and all that, boring as hell. Most boring sport in North America. Add a mascot that wants to kill firefighters to it, instantly like a top one or two situation. It's never going to be the NBA because the NBA's drama and storylines are fantastic, but put a mascot out there that's like, I'm going to kill a firefighter. And everybody's like, okay, let's watch this. (laughs) And he appeared, uh, the Flames actually do acknowledge his existence still. I think they did like a Halloween video last year or they did like um, uh, some social media thing where they do like choose your fighter. And they had like a bunch of mascots that were associated with the franchise over the years. And like he appeared and it was, they still, I think they have the suit in the saddle dome somewhere. I have to to confirm that with uh, my contacts, but we should yeah, buy it, it. I would, we should like, crowdfund buying it. If, if people want to give squirt stack uh, a bunch of money, uh, we'll, we'll set up a PayPal or a GoFundMe. We'll buy the suit. 100%. This is this is our life's purpose at this point. Um, <laughs> and we will bring it with us wherever we go. If Scorch won't be revived by the flames, we'll revive him ourselves, like you said earlier. We're yeah. going to make this happen. It's a bunch of dark arts, and I, I encourage everybody <laughs> to really start exploring it. it it's, a, it's not spooky season anymore. It's almost my eye carry all I want for Christmas season. But let's <laughs> make November a month where we can really engage in the... Uh, you know, the dark arts and if we don't get scorched, maybe we get Cthulhu summoned or something like that. still Why worth not? it. Mm-hmm. All right. So to uh, talk about the flames, obviously they're more interested in competing right away than I think I expected at the start of the year. I didn't think that they were like a guaranteed playoff team. The win streak that they're on looks great. 
they actually have the best transition numbers in the league, according to a few different data companies. Um, they are, they've gone from a team that has been getting killed off the rush for several seasons now, ever since the avalanche broke them in the playoffs a few years ago to the team that's now generating like the second or first most rush chances this year and allowing like the third least or something like that, which puts them at the top of the differentials league wide. Daryl Sutter genius. Yeah. Um, I mean, problematic farm genius. Yes. Yes. He, he <laughs> is, uh, he is everything that the team needed in terms of maximizing what value they have out of like the, the players that are good and, and useful in terms of creating wins. And uh, he's managed to turn players like Eric Goodbranson so far this season into weirdly effective defensemen, um, especially shorthanded. Uh, it's, it's kind of scary. Um, yeah. Like the, the transition game thing is probably the one thing I noticed through 10 games and like, I'm tracking it as part of like my penalty kill project right now. Um, like their ability to defend on the transition and then also create um, even shorthanded while like the transition aspect of their game is fantastic. Um, at five versus five, they're really just, they're playing a super tight game and they're breaking out with possession um, or they're springing forwards in like a, an effective manner, not akin to like the way that, Bob Hartley used to do it in like the cardiac, the kind of cardiac kids era, like 2014-15. But it's really cool to see. Um, like the other night against Nashville, they had like what three breakaways in two minutes. It, it was fantastic hockey. It's exciting hockey. So if uh, Dom Lucision is listening, uh, the Calgary Flames are exciting, and you should watch them. It's time to put the cowboy hat emoji beside the name mm-hmm. and uh, cowboy up for the Flames this year. I mean, this is kind of an off-topic question and not really aligned at all with. Uh, with the Jack Eichel stuff, but I wonder now with the way that the flames play, do you think the flames would be interested in having Paul Byron back once he's healthy? No, I, no? I mean, I have a soft spot for little Paul Byron, the brave little toaster. Um, <laughs> he, the, the thing with this team is like, they, he would be useful on the third line, likely or fourth line or where, wherever he could slot in. But yeah, I think he's more of a fourth liner nowadays. Yeah. And like, I'm sure he could provide some sort of, additional value while shorthanded or whatever it may be, but the team is cap strapped and they need to figure out a solution uh, to add like another impact player while also moving up some salary. Um, so I, I've been looking around to see like what would work. I just like, as like for fun, like as an exercise and it's really hard. Like they, they've got like almost $4 million invested in like Nikita Zadorov. They've got that Milan Lucic contract still in the books for another year after this. Like it's a lot of, a lot of money wasted that they could be utilizing for depth forwards or um, supplemental content to fit into like the mid six that would make them a bit more effective. Um, it, it's the, the larger theme is like they're just money strapped right and they, They've got to get rid of some of it before they can start making some decisions. It's part of the reason why I was so excited about uh, the potential of Jack Eichel is presumably there would have been movie or money leaving. And then Jack Eichel would have went on the, the LTIR and then they could have tried to use some of that, elsewhere but it's it's just frustrating because i feel like that's the biggest opportunity right now so they're missing like a middle six forward that would really at this point like if this is the roster they're going to run with and they're going to be in this competitive now window and maximize what they've got they really only need like maybe one or two pieces in the forward group to kind of prevent a few folks from playing regular minutes and then it's we'll see we'll we'll see what we can get out of them but yeah definitely like they need a mid six guy that can play really well in the transition and then all, you know, has the ability to, I guess, contribute offensively on top of that. Is there any appetite for improving the defensive group? Cause like, I know that there's some younger guys on there that are probably underrated across the league, but I remember at the beginning of the season when we were doing our, like, who's going to finish where I was looking at Calgary's defense once Giordano was taken by Seattle. And I was like, that's, it's not looking too hot. Yeah, Literally. I, totally. I think the, I mean, obviously, like Oliver Shellington is having a, like a breakout run right now. Um, he only played like a couple minutes for a game, was scratched, and then all of a sudden he's playing like 19, 20 minutes a game. Scored a big goal uh, against Nashville. Uh, his underlying metrics in terms of like shot share, expected goals, things like that, they're they're miles ahead of anywhere where we were expecting him previously and and currently. But I feel, like the blue line needs an upgrade. Like you can't play. Eric Branson every night, even if he's providing value right now, like he's been, he's been trending down for a little bit in terms of like shot share and stuff like that at five versus five for a while. But 
um, they need an upgrade. Uh, and like my cosmic brain, you know, if it could have happened, I would have loved to include like Mark Pishik or Colin Miller uh, out of Buffalo as part of the agricultural trade if they could have made the money work and had enough money moving both ways. Um, they need somebody that is like a four, five, six kind of can play those minutes, maybe get secondary power play time. Because um, I think everybody is on their toes in terms of is Chris Tanev going to finally fall off a cliff? He's playing pretty good with Shillington right now. Is Rasmus Anderson really, truly rebounding? Looks like he is. Is Noah Hannafin playing the best hockey of his career finally? Um, who knows? I, I Right now it looks pretty great, and he's really great on transition defense while shorthanded. And then that's that's really it. Like There's like this... I mean, Sutter's playing a lot of guys. Like He's distributing the minutes the best he can, but they definitely need an upgrade, and they need another puck mover, even if it's like on a one- or two-year deal. They, they just need somebody to help keep that flow of play and that, that approach to the game currently that they're engaging in uh, sustained a little bit longer. And have the expectations kind of changed for what uh, the Flames are going to do this year compared to the beginning of the season because the start has been so strong? Uh, my personal expectations are just like an overall sense of like the fan bases. And, and I mean, let's let's go with yours. I feel like the fan base... In, in a majority, just, it goes with whatever happens on the ice, right? Like things go up and down. It's very inconsistent. So let's go with Mike speaking for the Scorch Stack. Uh, so the start of the year, I was I was pretty apprehensive on believing that this team could do a lot other than be a bubble team. Um, right now, they've proven me wrong, which I think is really great. Um, whether or not they can do it for another 40 or 50 games, I think, is... Who's to say? I'm not really sure, uh, but I'm enjoying it. And I think the one thing that I can admit that is great is like being a fan. And when you're winning, obviously, is a really enjoyable experience because you're winning. Um, but I think it's the style of play in particular that has made it really enjoyable. So my expectations right now, uh, now that they failed to get Jack Eichel, is uh, they need to go get somebody. So they need to try to move money out and go get somebody that is going to be under contract for at least another year or two uh, that is cost controlled to some degree that is, is a good contract and also provides um, the player has a potential to add more value over the, the cost that he accrues. Um, and then we'll reassess the timeline. Like I, I'm a pretty speculative and kind of realistic person. I think we can both agree on that. Um, so 10 games so far or 10 games tonight, because they'll, they'll play Dallas later today, but uh, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I hope they, they can prolong it. I hope they can add another body at some point to prolong the window even more. And if by season's end, you know, there's a bunch of teams that f- have fallen out of the race because of injuries or they just never maxim- or actualized their expected potential this year, run with it. Uh, COVID's still a thing that's ongoing and people are losing talent to it for periods of time, like, the Penguins just lost Crosby and Dumoulin to testing positive. They just need to capitalize on it. I think like there's the, the team has so many things that need to go keep going right and need to go right later on. And then they also need to avoid certain things like injuries, COVID um, bad decisions during games that end up costing them games. Like they can lose a game, but if they lose a game and they've controlled everything in terms of shot shared, expected goals and all that stuff, then like they're laughing, they're doing the right things. And, you know, if everything goes really right and they are in a better situation than they were like in 2018, 2019, when they had like tops of the Western conference got crushed by the avalanche, um, questioned their own existence and changed their whole game plan. Then who knows what could happen, but Things are good right now, and just it's kind of like ride the wave. It won't last forever approach. I'm yeah, surprised you that. haven't mentioned uh, Jacob Markstrom, uh, who's been really good this season oh, yeah. so far. I mean, uh, obviously, his numbers are going to come down. He's, you know, right now at a 947 uh, save percentage, but still, like, he's been a pretty big factor so far in uh, the Flames' success uh, in shutting down, you know, teams like the Rangers and Penguins, who, I mean, you know, haven't been at full strength, but still, like, they, they do boast some big names and, you know, can have that next man man up mentality when needed so uh definitely markstrom is on my list of players to watch for the rest of the season because he's really surprised me with his bounce back year but i don't expect him to continue going at this clip but if he can you know continue to be really good 
the flames will go with him, I assume as well. Yeah. He's kind of last season wasn't great. Like he was great for stints. Then he got injured and then um, he kind of rebounded a bit. It's, it's, it wasn't the best first year contract and it made everybody a little kind of pensive about the prolonged, you know, remaining years. This year has been incredible. Like it's, like Mika Kippersoft's ghost uh, spirit <laughs> left rural Finland where he's sitting at a boat right now fishing and has possessed him and he looks phenomenal. And even against Nashville, like I think it was like one goal that kind of looked eh, but his goals saved above average metric, you know, per evolving hockey. Like he's still the top guy in the league at five versus five. He's a little bit below average um, shorthanded, but the team isn't surrendering much uh, in terms of shots and, high danger chances for him to kind of build, build that up in a crew like value there. But I think the main thing to your point is like, he just looks great. And Dan Volodar, if they can get a, like the team has always struggled with having a really good backup goalie. If Dan Volodar can develop into a guy that can, you know, play 15, 16, 17 games a year, uh, it'll take the workload off and make it so that the sustained output and performance of Jacob Markstrom is, you know, it can exist in the postseason, then the team is laughing, but uh, he's great. Uh, I feel weirdly confident about flames goaltending for the first time in Since know, like 12 years, 13 years. I don't know. It's hard to say, like it's been a really long time and everybody's like their eyes are, are tired and their, their hearts are sore from being like, this is the guy, this is the guy that's going to do it. And then they finally have like the guy under contract and he's performing right now. And, it's just really great to see. All right, awesome. Uh, thanks so much for doing this, Mike. We really appreciate it. And uh, sorry, I was late to everything. And <laughs> hopefully we'll get you on again later this season if the Flames like continue kicking ass. Yeah. And Adam Wilde, if you're listening, I'm coming for you. You're the, re- <laughs> you're the reason why Berkshire was late this morning. You just made an enemy. The Scorch Stack is coming for you. <laughs> Scorch Stack coming for Adam Wilde. Gauntlet has been thrown. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Mike. I love Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, because even though I'm Canadian, you got to love American Thanksgiving. It's so delicious. You know, all that food, all the good food and treats and plenty of them. But maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's a perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories with only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with a coconut Built Bar or go for the raspberry Built Bar instead of the raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. Built is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two. Share some at your family gatherings. It will make things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a Built Bar yet. Maybe she needs a little bit of an energy pick-me-up. New surprises all month. Limited Built Bar flavors arriving at Built.com regularly, so check the site often. There's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be the huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Mary, I think we had a lot of fun with Mike there. I especially loved the talk about Scorch because it's such a ridiculous. It, it preceded Gritty as the most ridiculous mascot moment in like hockey Twitter sphere. And it has sustained itself on Flames Twitter so successfully, despite very little encouragement from any actual teams or anything. Yeah, I almost forgot about him. Not to yeah. say that I forgot, but it was it happened in I believe like 2014. That was a, a lifetime ago for many of us. Yeah. Uh especially in the pandemic, but I I love a good scorch scorch story and I really hope we can, you know, bring the funds together to buy the, you know, the outfit uh from the flames so we can revive scorch on our own i think that that is a great uh platform that we have uh put like hitched our wagon to uh and i very much support it because i love mascot shenanigans as you all know as i'm a a philadelphia sports person and we have two of the most shenanigany mascots in the philly fanatic and gritty so this is true philly is the city of the epic mascots right now and yep I think that's been the case for a long time, but yeah, I, I wish that they wouldn't have backed away from it because it was so absurd and I know people were offended and firefighters are kind of like the one job 
that nobody hates. You know, like police have got their own quibbles and for very good reason, but nobody really hates on firefighters. There was, I remember there, there was a movie recently that, uh, it was like the horror movie, the sequel to Halloween, I think with Michael Myers. And there's a scene where he kills a bunch of firefighters. And there was like a petition out to ban that scene from the movies because people love firefighters so much. And Scorch also, he loved to kill firefighters. So yeah. that got him banned. They, I, I'm looking at it now and it was like the same day they took it down. That they start, Man. they they apologize for it and mm-hmm. axe the, I think, the mascot. <laughs> I think uh, I think Scorch maybe could have lived if they had you know did less with the firefighters. If it, because the mascot, I think he would have been fine on his own. It's a creepy mascot, so like I think he could have survived. I think they just maybe went a little too much into that, and then we're like, oh well, never mind. This is a bad idea. So, yes, the think- dead the dead firefighters on the ground was a little bit much, but at the same time, you got to respect the absolute insanity. Of actually doing that, they tried and somehow getting it approved. They tried. Yeah. All right, so the the pop culture uh, segment here, the pop culture roulette segment. I've only really watched one thing in the last week, and I mentioned that I started watching it on the last show, and that was the uh, Midnight Mass series on Netflix, which was like the Halloween series from Mike Flanagan. It was it was all right. It wasn't as good as his first one. I think that uh, asking someone to create a new miniseries, a new horror miniseries every year is probably a lot to like stretch the ideas. But uh, this one for anybody who is very religious, I would say maybe don't watch it. it might be a little bit <laughs> offensive to you because this one is very much a send up of like Catholicism. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's everything I've heard about that. Um, I am not a horror person, uh, so I am sorry. I feel like we talk about this like almost every other week when one of a like when you like watch something horror adjacent. I'm like, nope, not for me. But I'm glad it is for people that like it. Uh, as for me, I watched the first episode of the second season of Lock and Key, which is on Netflix. I think it's based off of a comic. Uh, I remembered nothing about the first season because the first season came out right before the pandemic started. And that was, like I said, it was a lifetime ago. Uh, so they, they had like a little three minute recap and I'm like, okay, I remember some of this, but do I remember anything else that happened? No. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I'll continue watching it when I can. Um, my work schedule shifted a little bit in that um, I now work Sunday through Thursday. So uh, today is my Friday. So I ch- will hopefully use the next couple of days to, you know, do more things um, than just do do work stuff. Um, but I will definitely be continuing on with the season because i did like the first season of lock and key it's very interesting concept um neat cast of characters just a you know interesting premise so i definitely recommend it from that regard but i have no idea how the second season pans out um and then also on thursday they had a a teaser for more gameplay of a video game called elden ring which is a game from from software which is the people that do the dark souls games uh it looks great very excited for it Vi- uh february is going to be a wild month of video games because there are a whole bunch of video game releases coming out that i want to play that month um so i am terrified at what it is going to do to me but i guess i will just take it one game at a time 2021 has been a very mild year for video game releases for me so i've very much enjoyed not having to you know panic about uh, new games I want to play coming up, but next year it's going to get a bad very quickly. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's kind of what happens, right? I feel like there's like an onslaught of content coming out of the break that we had during the pandemic, right? Yeah, and it was the pandemic that, that did it. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow I'm going to see Eternals in theaters with my wife in the afternoon, and we'll see how that goes. It's the first Marvel movie to have a rotten rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which is super interesting. But I've been reading some of the reviews, trying to like stick away from spoilers, and it seems like. After so many people had criticized the MCU for making like this similar uh, action movies, that the biggest criticisms have been that it's not a, like a standard Marvel movie. They're like this isn't yeah, what I expected. I it's heard like that okay, it's but more, it's more DC like than Marvel. I've so. heard that as well, but I think that is a bit too much of a compliment to DC. <laughs> <laughs> like from what I heard, Ouch. it's more like introspective and mm-hmm. like all like. Uh, long spanning and less and and more about like interpersonal relationships than it is about necessarily action sequences, which I'm excited to see. I I'm going into it with an open mind. Uh, Obviously I am a big fan of the MCU, but I have to say it's nice to see Marvel make a movie that is actually divisive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, definitely tell me how it is next week. Um, it's something that's on my radar. Like I said, I I'll have to fit in time to you know because it's not on Disney Plus. It's one of those ones that's you know first on in theaters still since we're doing that now. Uh, so I did see Shang Chi that way, and that was great. Uh, but definitely tell me how it is. Um, because I am intrigued by it. Uh, I don't know if it's one that I'll have to rush to the theater for, mostly because uh. The, those movies have two different energies. Shang-Chi was like a really nice, you know, movie to get amped up to. It was really hype. Um, if this is more introspective, I might, you know, watch it later. But that's okay. Like, I don't need to, you know, watch every single Marvel thing as it comes out. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll report for you if it's something that you need to see in theaters. Because I feel like it might be one of those movies similar to Dune where, like, just visually it might be better on the big screen. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll let you know. As yeah, soon please. As I watch it. And enjoy. Uh always good to get out to the out to the theater uh and doing stuff. Cuz in these pandemic times, I mean, obviously the pandemic is is still happening. We may both, you know, be vaccinated and stuff, but trying to, you know, stay safe as best we can. But it is nice to, you know, go out and actually like do stuff like a normal human being again, you know, when I went out to Broadway. I was like, "Man, this feels like a, I miss this so much. It just feels nice to be doing something i used to do not you know with any regularity but i i used to you know go to see broadway shows every so often so it was nice and going out to the movies is just a very normal thing to do so it is it's it's really great to just do something like that and not really have to worry too much yeah 100 percent. all right that's all we have for you today on the crosscheck nhl show thanks for making the crosscheck nhl show your first listen every tuesday and thursday now please make your second listen locked on fantasy hockey host scott collin leans into his decades of fantasy hockey insight and experience every day to help you be the expert of your fantasy league it's free and available on all platforms